You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Actually, it's the, it's the lead play in our, in our offense. What's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. I'm joined alongside the great Paul Brettel, our Packers insider here this evening. As uh, we got a nice little Thursday night planned out here. We got, obviously, the uh, the Denver Broncos are traveling to Kansas City to face Taylor Swift. And we thought, let's get Paul Brettel along here and talk a little Packers football. But, Paul, I know we were talking offline, man, the Taylor Swift uh, – craze has, has begun again this week but uh, how are you doing today pal hey i'm doing excellent as always i'm happy to be with you clayton talking packers football even though coming off a tough performance and it's one of those things where you have to buy this early in the season you know especially coming off a performance like that there's the side of all right we got some time to regroup and then there's the other side of man i just wish we could get back out there and just you know burn the tape and get back at it so i think the first option given what's happened the last few weeks is is the the mindset that I'm guessing many of us have, but nonetheless, happy to be here to talk Packers football. Awesome. Well, that, that's why we got you here. We're going to try to make some sense of all this because, <laughs> you know, I, I don't think anyone was going into that Raiders game thing, saying it's a slam dunk win, but I, I do feel mm. comfortable in saying many of us thought, hey, we should we should come out of there with a win, right? And, uh, of course, we've seen the line change a lot when when uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, it was announced that he was out of concussion protocol and all that, but – yeah, it was a tough one, and it's been the theme all year for me, Paul. Is It's just another game that we had every opportunity to win, and it makes it that much tougher than even getting mm-hmm. blown out. You know, it's just like, gosh, it was right there. And, and you know, me and, and Baz were talking earlier on his pod, and, 
And we're like, you know, this team could very well be four and one, but this team could also be one and four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just amazing how how tight these games have been. But let's just kind of get into the agenda here. I wanted to ask your question or ask your take on a couple of questions here. And uh, just right off the bat, Paul, what's your general outlook on the team? Like as far as uh, how do you feel about this team, obviously being now over a quarter of the way through the season, you know, are you content with their, with where they're at? Are you happy with where they're at? Are you, you know, upset with it? You know, cause I know, yes, you cover the Packers and, and yes, you do a lot of writing and everything. Like I said, with Packers wire and, and Dairyland express and all that, but you're also a Packer fan, right? So mm-hmm. um, what, what is your feel of this team? Are they kind of meeting expectations, exceeding expectations or falling short in your opinion? So just who I am and how I react to this stuff, I'm not someone who gets too high or too low. I think, you know, things are never as good as they seem. Things are never as bad as they seem either. And, you know, the ups and downs that they've experienced this season, I think we all had those expectations. I will say the the peaks of those highs and the valleys of those lows are higher and lower than what I anticipated. Cause I mean, yeah. there's been some, you know, some really good moments that week one as a whole going into Chicago, that fourth quarter against the saints games. I mean, those are some high highs. And then there's been some really lows coming off of probably the lowest point, you know, so far or close to it with the lions game. But so that part of it, just how, again, how high the highs have been and lows of those have been of, I think more than I anticipated, but certainly expected ups and downs. You know, overall feeling right now, I would say slightly in the definitely in the 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 concerning category. And the reason is because we're not seeing progress. Like we knew there were gonna be tough losses. And they've definitely, you know, the Atlanta game, they definitely experienced one of those. Um, you know, going up against the Lions team, uh, a much better opponent than them at this time. Like there's going to be games like that. We knew that that was coming, but what we wanted to see this season more than anything is just progress from, you know, week one to week two and so on. And the mistakes that you see in week three, we don't want to see popping up down the road in week six or seven. Jordan Love is, you know, he's a first time starting quarterback. So he's inexperienced, but he's not a rookie. And to me, those are two different things with an inexperienced quarterback you give them the the you know the grace to make mistakes and know there's going to be interceptions and know there's going to be plays that overall you'd like to see the team have back, but it's his fourth season in the NFL as well as in the same offensive system too, so you give them the grace of those mistakes. But again, we don't want to see you know down the road from now, week seven, ten, twelve, the same uh, issues that are happening now reoccurring. And so again, I think it goes back to progress. And right now they're taking a step backwards. And from an offensive perspective, like there's defenses have nothing to fear right now. This is an inefficient run game. And this is a team that can't hit on the deep ball. Like if you're a defense, what are you worried about? And that just leads to them uh, muddying things up over the middle of the field. And so there's less space to operate within. You know, I will get it, get to it here in a second from the Fleur's play calling standpoint. But when you're not able to do either of those two things, like schematically, there's only so much you can do as well. The defense has to be afraid of one of those components, you know, because if they're worried about the run game, all right, now we can, you know, that sucks everyone closer. You can build the passing game off of it. You know, if they're afraid of the deep ball, that creates better spacing underneath for others to work within, helps out the run game. Like this, what they're experiencing now, I think is 
magnified because they've dealt with injuries. It's Jordan Love compared to Aaron Rodgers. But what we're seeing from a run game perspective, the deep passing game perspective, to me, isn't terribly different than the first seven, eight, nine games of last season. Now, if we recall, there was a ton of injuries on the offensive line early on that season. They were playing musical chairs. Yep. Uh, the Packers had to rely a ton on the quick passing game. Romeo Dobbs missed games early on. Christian Watson missed games early on. And defenses weren't scared of the deep ball. And so what do you see? Kind of the same thing we're seeing now. Loaded boxes, lots of cover one. You know, it, That makes running the ball quicker. It makes relying on the quick game more difficult. Guys are closer to the line of scrimmage. There's less space to operate within. And what it took was that Christian Watson performance against the Cowboys in week 10. And then, you know, he started stacking those those successes after that. And all of a sudden, again, defenses, they got to respect the deep ball at that point. They have to, you know, space out or create better spacing, I should say, for the offense to operate within. So not only do you have Watson's big playability, but there's more room for the run game. There's more room for the other receivers to work within to create some of those catch and run opportunities. Like we talked about it during the summer about how often uh, Jordan Love was attacking the middle of the field because that's such a key part of this LeFleur offense. But we didn't see a ton of that against the Raiders. And again, that, that to, it's on everyone as well. Like the, yeah. this isn't a, it, there's the, I think that we, you know, when Matt LeFleur says it's all 11 players have to perform better, uh, I got to be better as a play caller. Like that sounds like coach speak and to a degree it is, but it's 100% true it's as true, well. Yeah. Like in football or life, we want to pick out, all right, what's the one thing we got to focus on to fix? But it's we got to blame somebody, Paul. Exactly. It's so many things that the, that this group has to clean up. But I think being able to find more success on those downfield opportunities or being able to be more efficient in the run game, either one of those things is going to help unlock other facets of this offense and just take some of that playmaking burden off of love, off of the receivers um, at this time. So I guess in a roundabout way to get back to the original answer, you know, put me in the, in the concerned category for the time being, um, not hitting panic button yet, but in the concern category, just because again, things are not progressing. They've been going backwards. Yeah. I think that's very fair, very fair. Cause I, I would consider myself concerned as well. You know, going into the season, you're looking at it and I'm thinking six and 10, that's going to be the range. You come out kind of strong and I'm thinking, okay, this might be a 10 win team. And then, you know, the last couple of games, it's I'm, I'm back now around that seven to eight range. Right. So um, and again, it's it's right in that ballpark of six to ten. But I'm with you. I am. A, I'm a little concerned, too, because like you said just a second ago, we if anything, they've regressed. Right. So let's hope they can get that straightened out coming out of the bye. And one thing that that keeps getting brought up is the offensive line play. And uh, me personally, I think as far as pass blocking, uh, the offensive line has been pretty good from what I've seen. Now, I don't agree with, like I said, we'll get into the play calling. I don't agree with the the scheming of having two rookie tight ends try to block mm-hmm. Max Crosby. I, I think that wasn't on anyone's bingo card. But when it comes to the offensive line itself, it's the run blocking aspect that's really struggled. And to me, I, I chalk it somewhat up into schematics. But I wanted to ask you, Paul, do you think there needs to be any kind of change on this offensive line? Would you change anything at all? Obviously, Bakhtiari is done for the year. Based off of what's left with this offensive line, did you feel like that was the best five that was out there? Or would you like to see any other kind of lineup change as far as the offensive line? I think for the time being, they got to stick with what they have. And a couple of reasons behind that thought. One, I think continuity on the offensive line is really, really important. 
And they, with Bakhtiari being hurt, with Elton Jenkins missing some games, they really haven't had a lot of that. And so I think that's an important aspect just to get these guys more snaps together. Now, throughout the practice week in games, I think is an important part of offensive line play. Secondly, we know the Packers want to win games. We all want the Packers to win games. But also, this is an evaluation year. It's Jordan Love, the guy moving forward, who are core players that we can build around. And I think a part of that is letting Rasheed Walker go through some of the growing pains at left tackle to see what you have there. I think, you know, unless their thought process is, you know, they want Zach Tom to be their center of the future, keep him at right tackle because that's where he brings more value from a positional standpoint. And if the Packers did think that, you know, he was their center moving forward, I'm guessing we would have seen him there you know, more so through the summer or even starting there at this point. So I think there's a lot of, a lot of value in kind of one, the continuity, continuity, but also just seeing, you know, what you have in each of these players, you know, you know, give Josh Myers, you know, a, a little more opportunity to kind of make those final decisions and go from there in terms of trying to project what we have in 2024 and beyond. So for me, I would keep it, as is for the time being, but like you said, they're, they're, they're going to have to improve and it's tough to fully evaluate Jordan love as well. When things are breaking down around him, you know, if they don't have a strong game to run game to rely on, we think we talked about it last week, just saw it puts you in predictable passing situations and just at a huge disadvantage compared, you know, in comparison to the defense who now pass rush can, they can pin their ears back. The defense as a whole can get into favorable matchups and, They've had some tough pass blocking assignments the last two weeks, but also that's the NFL. Like you're <laughs> you're gonna run into that, you know. And the Detroit Lions just absolutely bullied the Packers offensive line, both in run blocking and pass protection. I think PFF had Jordan Love under pressure on almost fifty percent of his dropbacks in that game. You know, the Raiders defensive front, you know, from top to bottom, not as stout as Detroit's, but they got Max Crosby and Throughout the week, Matt LaFleur talked about just how relentless he is. And we saw that. Like, just because you might lock him down on the initial move, or maybe even a secondary move if you're fortunate enough to get to that point, like, he's a hustler. He goes until the whistle blows. And we 100% saw that take place. And him on his own had seven pressures. Uh, the uh, the other uh, Raiders edge rusher had four of his own. You know, that in itself is about a third of uh, Love's dropbacks were under pressure. And for a young quarterback, I think we're seeing that from a decision-making perspective, even if maybe he's not fully under pressure, but his time clock in his head is adjusting. Like, look at those first two games, even three games. Like, for most of it, he had really all the time in the world. Like, he could be picky with some of his decision-making. And if the, you know, the window wasn't quite there, all right, I'll go to the next one and go to the next one and go through his progressions. And like I said, this isn't all on the offensive line the loves turnovers still it's play calling it's loves accuracy it's his decision making it's on the receivers being in the right spot at the right time making contested catches again it goes back it's all 11 players but I also don't think it's a coincidence that through three games when the pass protection was really good he had six touchdowns to one interception now in the last two games he's got five interceptions like I also don't think that just happens to be a coincidence either so certainly something that they have to get figure out. It's it's easy for all of our attention to go to love, to go to the pass catchers, but and and football's changed a lot over the years, but they're still won and lost in the trenches. I mean, go look at that Bears game week one. 
big reason the Packers just absolutely dominated it is because they protected Love and they got after Justin Fields. And week in and week out, that's always at the top of the to-do list for every team. So definitely something that has to get figured out. And again, as far as the construction at this point, there there aren't any changes that that I would make. I know um, you know Yash Nyman has starting experience, but again, I feel like over the summer or even into the season where there was some up you know some question marks around you know because without Bakhtiari without Jenkins they had the opportunity to move Zach Tom inside, yeah, and put Yash Nyman at right tackle, but they didn't do it, and so I think that tells us you know what they think of Tom at right tackle, you know. <clears throat> what they how they feel about how Nyman's performing right now because it's not like he had a good preseason and that's you know why Rashid Walker passed him on the depth chart so my guess right now is they're just going to stick with what they have and like I said I think continuity and doing that's really important definitely definitely as far as the play calling um how do you feel about the play calling and how it's been? You know, there's there's a lot of a lot of differing opinions. Um, I'm actually in the process of putting together a chalk talk episode and talking a little bit about the play calling. But how do you feel about the play calling? Let's say specifically in that Raiders game, um, what stood out to you? Did you agree with the play calling? Kind of what was your take on? It? Yeah, so specifically in the passing game, like I was, I thought it was great. Then Lafleur said afterwards, like they wanted to get back to being under center and running the ball. And he felt that that really, really helped the offense out. And it did. And, you know, the running game found some success. And it's kind of funny that, you know, you leave that game thinking like, oh, they perform well. And then you go and look like, oh, A.J. <laughs> Dillon had 3.7 yards per we carry. We did the same thing. <laughs> like that's a full yard better than what he'd been doing. And yeah. in the NFL, like obviously you want six, seven yard runs. But if you're consistently getting four yards, like you can make that work. Like, but it's just that just kind of tells us the state of where the run defenses, but or run offenses, but from the passing games perspective, I thought that was a really, I, I didn't know what was, ha- I didn't know what they were trying to do. Like you couldn't look at what's happening early in the game from a play call concept and what they're trying to accomplish and figure out what they're going to try to do later on with that. Yep. You know, and that's what this is about that, that, that Matt LaFleur offense, it's about, you know, you know, setting the team up early and then, you know, building on the concepts throughout the game. Like look at the Detroit game. It obviously didn't end well, but they came out six straight passes. Why? Run game is struggling. They're up against a really good run defense. If there's a if there's a part of that Lions defense to pick on, it's a secondary who had some injuries at that time. Like you could figure out the thought process and how they got to what they were trying to do early on. Now execution and results are completely different than that, but you could see that. The Raiders game Again, no clue whatsoever. Jordan Love entered that game top five in uh, pass attempts of 20 plus yards and pass attempts in the 10 to 19 yard range. But felt like the game plan was handcuffing them a little bit, especially through that first half. Uh, You know, is that a product of the offensive line? Again, coming off a bad game against the Lions. They're going up against Max Crosby. Are they just trying to, you know, get the ball out of Love's hands? Aaron Jones, you know, was it not having him the because Matt LaFleur said it wasn't until Saturday that he, uh, you know, he had a setback, I guess, for lack of a better word. That's my word, not LaFleur's, uh, <laughs> with his hamstring. And, you know, you can't scrap the game plan at that right, point. The game and plan already knows. installed, right? Exactly. So was that a product of trying to get the ball, you know, to Aaron Jones? And I think that's why we saw Patrick Taylor have more targets in the first half than what Watson mm. and Dobbs did. I'm guessing those plays were designed for Aaron Jones. So is that why things look so different in terms of pushing the ball downfield? 
Is it because Jordan Love just hasn't been efficient on those types of throws? And Matt LaFleur is trying to, all right, let's rein it back in. Let's take the seven, eight, 10 yard completions and, you know, take those rather than always trying to, you know, go for the home run ball. Could have been any one of those reasons, could have been something else, but either way, it felt like Love was a little bit handcuffed early on. And then what you're asking your your pass catchers to do again, I know the game plan, you know, can't be completely altered like we just mentioned, but Patrick Taylor cannot have more targets than Watson and Dobbs. That cannot happen. Yeah. LaFleur said after a Lions game, we have to do a better job getting the ball in our playmakers' hands, even if that requires us scheming things up for them. Yes, 100%. Like, and to me, that that the fact that Taylor had more of those targets early on, and he actually finished the game with more targets than what Dobbs did, like I think that speaks to the issues that they've had with making timely adjustments. Like it's great that they come out of halftime and they're just one of the best scoring offenses in football in that third quarter, but you can't take until halftime to make those adjustments. They were down three scores to the Saints, down three scores to the Lions. If the Raiders are able to capitalize on opportunities, they're probably down two or three scores to the Raiders going into that halftime as well. There just has to be more timely adjustments. And yes, that's on the floor, but I also think that's a product of the the young receivers that they have. Jordan Love said last week that from a you know in-game adjustment standpoint or the the young pass catchers seeing unscouted looks, like that's given them some challenges. And in part, you just gotta see it. You gotta experience it. You know what I mean? You gotta go through those that learning curve in order to better handle, all right, here's how I'm going to react to this. Or when they're playing these receivers physically, like that's a tough adjustment for any young receiver going from college to the NFL and how you're going to handle that, how you're going to get off that press coverage, how you're not going to let that physicality disrupt your route, disrupt your timing, which then can throw off everything else. So I think the youth is also a product of the lack of timely uh, adjustments that we've seen. But going back to my, my main point here, I feel like I'm going on a million tangents. Um, I love it. You know, <laughs> how the pass catchers have been were utilized in that game. Like Matt Lefleur's talked about how Watson, you know, has the ability to play any of the three uh, wide receiver positions on the field. He can step in and run a variety of routes, but it felt like it was just a bunch of vertical routes that they were that they were sending him on, and especially that's when he was targeted. You know, Luke Musgrave had seven targets, which is fantastic, but why was his longest catch eight yards? Why was he being targeted within you know? four or five yards of the line of scrimmage. You have this, this athletic big playmaking threat at the tight end position, like use him, you know, how he should be to stretch the field. So I say all that to say it just felt out of whack. And then when they did push the ball downfield, just felt like these desperation heaves from a young quarterback who was growing impatient, who was struggling to move the ball, who was losing in the fourth quarter and said, I got to make something happen. And that's what those downfield throws felt like versus in previous weeks where it felt, you know, kind of more natural, like the opportunity was there or they were working towards setting that up. So I think in general, everything about that felt out of whack and not just in football, whether you're a coach or a player, but sports in general, when things are going south, what do you do? You go back to the basics, you go back to the fundamentals. And I think that's why this bye week's at a good time. It's the opportunity for Matt LaFleur to reevaluate and go, what is the what are the basic what is the core elements of my offense trying to accomplish yeah. and that's what they need to go back and focus on and get the details right and Matt Fleur came out on Tuesday and you know he's mentioned this throughout the season but there's the little things are being missed from this group it, you know it's a it's a block here or there again it's the receivers contested catches the 
details within the route from a precision and timing standpoint, loves accuracy. They got to go back and do the little things that make this offense successful correctly. And we hear Matt LaFleur throw out the phrase, the illusion of complexity. Like in theory, that's perfect for a young offense because from an offensive perspective, it keeps things relatively simple, yep. but it's supposed to keep the defense off, off balance through movement and eye candy, you know, things like that. Yeah. So part of that is running a variety of plays from just a few personnel groupings. So the defense can't substitute out. You're able to create mismatches that way, the utilization of motion or running like plays. Like we talked about, you know, what you do in the first half, setting up what you do in the second half plays that start out looking the same, but are completely different. And again, from the offensive perspective, those are supposed to be, it's all relative, but relatively simple um, concepts, but still can be confusing to the defense because you don't obviously want to go too simple where they just know what's coming. But I think to say all that, it's about going back to the basics, to the fundamentals, to the core of the Matt LaFleur offense during this bye week and really focusing in on those details. I think that makes a ton of sense. And, you know, it's crazy because you're you're trying to show this illusion of complexity. But one thing that Mike Wall pointed out on his film breakdown this week is you can just see these defenses keying in on certain aspects, specifically the SIF blocks. Like they can tell what, okay, when this when this tight end is off the line of scrimmage, 90% of the time that's going to be a sift. He's going to cross the formation. Um, therefore, you're making yourself more predictable. And when you say mm-hmm. the basics, the first thing that comes to mind for me, inside and outside zone and mm-hmm. bootleg off of that, keep things – forget the power for a minute. Forget the pin and pull. Forget the the counter, you know, the, the, the power G and all that. Let's just get back to inside and outside zone boot off of it. If you want to throw some pistol in, great. Um, I really like the read option, the RPR aspect that they're adding inside the 10-yard line. I think that stuff has been very effective. You know, you've seen A.J. Dillon score the touchdown there, mm-hmm. and that was an RPR where they had a flat option. Um, and, of course, Jordan, if if Max Crosby doesn't stand up straight, doesn't square up, he could have kept it himself as well. I love that wrinkle to the offense, but I'm with you. Back up and punt a little bit. Let's get back to the basics. I, th- I think that – I was just going to say, I think that's a great point about like they're they're not accomplishing the inside outside zone runs like core staples of this offense uh, uh, correctly, uh, consistently enough. So trying to run an end around with Christian Watson while the entire line is shifting to the left that now you need six or seven blocks on the move to be executed correctly. Like they haven't shown this season that, you know, that's something that they could be able to do. You know, like you said, go back to. All right, inside zone, outside zone. Let's not let's get these down first. Do it consistently, and then we can build off of that. Yeah, and that play specifically. And I know I've got you over on time. We'll let you go, but that play specifically, the thing that stood out to me, especially watching the all twenty-two in the box cam, was it's like, okay, why did Christian have to get so wide to even try to get to the corner? He didn't never made it to the corner. And guess what? It was you asked Dontavian Wicks to block a defensive end. <laughs> it's like. Something's wrong here, man. We got we got to get back to the basics because you've seen you've seen the Raiders run a jet sweep, but it was from under center, real quick, snap the ball. It's in the guy's hands. It wasn't this mm-hmm. long, drawn out, and and eventually, really, what it was with that Watson, it was a a shift from he, he was in the Z or the slot. He shifted to the pony package, the double sidecar, and you took the long way around. And, and again, when I seen Dontavian Wicks, hey, God, God bless him for trying. Because <laughs> that was a big old defensive end that that he was supposed to wash completely out of the play, and you know you've seen Alan Lazard do that to a certain extent mm-hmm. in the past. 
Latavian Wicks built a little bit different than Lazard, that's for sure. But, Paul, nobody's built like you, buddy. We appreciate everything you do, man, coming on here and straightening it out for us. And uh, I'm with you, man. Uh, a little bit taken back, but, hey, we were expecting growing pains. Let's regroup coming out of the bye and let's beat Denver. Um, of course, we get a good look at them tonight mm-hmm. and uh, and kind of see how they're going to uh, play here against the uh, – I want to say the Chiefs, but it's they're going up against Taylor Swift tonight. So that's the way it is. We You can find him at Paul underscore Brettle. Make sure you check out his YouTube page. Absolutely awesome channel there. He also writes for Packers Wire and Dairyland Express. Had an awesome article earlier today on the offensive line. Paul, you're the best. Thank you so much for your time, man. Appreciate it, Clayton. All right, have a good night, buddy. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, now we're going to bring in Jacob from the Packernet Fantasy Podcast. We got Tim live in Green Bay. Paul in here just spitting some truth, spitting some facts. We got the chat lit up. Jacob, what did you think about that, man? Did you hear that? Did you get to hear that interview? I did, yeah. And I wrote down, gosh, probably like seven or eight bullet notes as to what I thought. You know, every time Paul Brettel is on, um, it's just it's a lot of good information. Um, the, the first thing that he thought, or that he said I really thought was pretty significant as to how I feel. I've been trying to think, like, how do I summarize or encapsulate my feelings of this year so far? And he said it, we've hit the highest the highest of the highest, the lowest of the lows, and basically hit those peaks and those lows way in way more drastic form than I ever expected, which, uh, man, I wish, I wish I could say that I didn't expect that, but the heart attack pack, man. They just that just seems to be their their mo for the last. I mean, my 
lifetime, it feels like. So, yeah, um, I expected it to be a little bit I, like you talked about, though. I mean, that, that first week against the Bears, unreal. That fourth quarter against the Saints, unreal. Almost everything other than that has been like, especially the first half of these games has just been, I mean, it's been tough. It's been, it's tough to watch. The other thing that um, really high, uh, that I thought that he highlighted correctly was the lack of progress. That's where I'm starting to get, I, I'm not, I'm not throwing in the towel on love. I'm not even throwing in the towel on Barry. I'm starting to get a little more sour on LaFleur as I hear him talk every single day, but um, <laughs> I'm just, it, he, he made a good point that there is a lack of progress. You can even look at it. If you want to look at it through a PFF grading wise, you want to look at it through the record. You want to look at it through uh, EPA statistics. I mean, sack statistics, every single thing we are regressing. I don't understand that. And it, and it, it seems that we're doing it against less talent, lesser talent than we were facing. And again, that's, that's maybe that's not fair to say because it's the first quarter of the season. So people are still kind of feeling out what kind of talent they have and all that kind of stuff. Um, right. And the last thing real quick, I'll pass it on to, uh, to Tim there is, I think that's a great, a great um, tidbit that he said there is that like, we don't know what happened when Jones supposedly went out on Saturday because at that point, Tim, shameless plug here for take your eye off the ball, Pat Kerwin 2.0. They talk oh. about how specifically in when, when basically when you when you structure the week from one week to the next, you know, you have your whatever day say your games on Sunday. <clears throat> Typically you maybe have like a rest type day on a Monday. Um unless you know you got a real captain blood type uh coach or kind of thing. But then <laughs> you basically implement that game plan starting Tuesday, and that can mean a, a whole bunch of different things from, you know, different formations you want to have, different plays you want to have, stuff that they've done. By the time Saturday gets there, like Saturday, you've basically done your whole schematics, your whole first 15 plays, your whole game plan, your whole philosophy. You know, people talk to Matt LaFleur, this whole, um, I think the, the big, one of the biggest questions I saw does this offense lack philosophy or does it lack a, a an identity? An identity. The identity is that Aaron Jones didn't play the day before. I set up <laughs> the whole freaking game plan for this dude. And you can talk, like Paul said, he goes, there was a lot of those plays where it's like, man, I find it hard to believe that they just randomly thought that they could throw a slant to Patrick Taylor or, you know what I mean? Or like a, that that's not designed for Patrick Taylor. That's an Aaron Jones play that he just had to, at the last second be like i can be dollar general aaron jones like <laughs> dollar you know, general. the dollar tree aaron jones <laughs> yeah we got dollar um, general up here <laughs> well we got them here too believe you me buddy we uh we used to school shop at the dollar general back home when i was a kid but that's a story for another day casey odom in the chat said how in the world do i joint the posse listen we don't condone joints on this podcast but you can join the posse all right by clicking on the homepage, I think uh, United Bates kind of gave some instructions there as well. On my phone or on my computer, you just click on the homepage on YouTube of you know this channel, and it'll have a little join tab, right? And you'll see the other members' uh, avatars and all that. So that's how you join uh, there. But thank you, United Bates, for helping explain that. Tim, what stood out to you about what Paul said, buddy? Um, kind of like what Jacob was saying, you know, expectations – not too high, not too low, but the highs were higher than we expected and the lows were lower than we expected. I That really hit home, um, you know, just inconsistency. And, you know, to Jacob's point and Paul's point, clearly, I mean, this 
when we look back at the tape, and I can't wait for Chalk Talk, by the way, but when we look back at the tape, clearly the game plan was for Aaron Jones. I mean, we saw a lot of running. Um, I think I think AJ Dillon was probably supposed to get like a half or, or quarter of the the workload that he got. And then certainly, like Jacob said, those those little screens out of the backfield or the little option plays that that was not for Patrick Taylor. I mean, it had to be because that's who we had. Um, did we get what did we get from Emmanuel Wilson? We got one snap or something um, out of him. A snap. A snap. A snap. Yeah. So (laughs) I I think that shows exactly what we're talking about that, you know, he already freaked out enough losing Aaron Jones last minute. We're not going to start peppering reps into the rookie uh, just yet. And so obviously you lean on Dylan and Taylor. Um, And, you know, we always talked about, well, not we, but Clayton has alluded to this plenty of times about Aaron Rodgers was covering up for inefficiencies in this offense. Well, I think Aaron Jones was too, especially with this offensive line. And, you know, I got to think even with those guys blocking the way that they have been, Aaron Jones slips a few of those, those tackles and uh, makes something out of nothing consistently. And I think what we saw uh, on Monday was just, you know, AJ Dillon doing everything he could. um, And it was still about average, you know, for our expectations. So um, that stuck stuck out to me when Paul was talking about, you know, the fact that we're inefficient in the run game and we can't hit on the deep ball. And it's like the two are kind of mutually exclusive. If you don't have at least some semblance of a run game, it's going to be really hard to, to take your shots down the field. And as we saw, shots down the field, double coverage, safety over the top. They were waiting for it. Because they're not biting on play action when, you know, even when you do run, it's only a yard. You know, right. nobody's really intimidated by it. So those points definitely uh, jumped out at me. Gotcha. Yeah, and I'll tell you this, the chat is out of control tonight. I'm just going to say it. Goose in here said, hey, I'll just, I'll just, I'll let Stephen A say it. Stay off the damn weed. <laughs> and of course, Eric Sutherland always bringing some humor that we can't read over the air. But we love you, Eric. You yeah. are the man. <laughs> oh, let me find it. <laughs> you don't want to find it. <laughs> Goose in the chat said the quarterback school talking about JTL Sullivan's uh, awesome YouTube channel uh, was calling out some bad play designs slash messed up or wrong routes. Yeah, I watched that too, Goose, and I appreciate you uh, sharing it earlier. It kind of brought it to my attention. I always forget when JTL Sullivan how quick he gets content out, but. uh what I noticed in Chalk Talk was all of the above. You know, you seen mistakes by love. You seen poor play play design. When there was a good play design, love didn't make the right side adjustments. Um, he was inaccurate with the football at times. You had receivers dropping passes. You had Luke Musgrave supposed to run a sit. He runs uh, a shallow out. I don't even know if that's in Lafleur's playbook. You've got a flat and you got an out. He ran a tweener. Right and ran it right in front of Christian Watson, so um, that completely screwed up what we talked about as far as uh, you know pick a side in in reading the offense. You know, essentially like what what Aaron was saying the other day on the McAfee show. There's three types of reads in the West Coast offense. You've got pure progression, you've got progression with an option, which typically comes out of three by sets, and then you've got the pick a side. And that specific uh, set, Lafleur confirmed, I believe, at the press conference, he said that. Uh, you know, it was they were looking at a cover two side. So you had a cover two beater. Typically, what you have with pick a side is you've got um, a uh, you've got a 
two high beater on one side and you've got a one high beater on the other, right? So no matter what the defense shows you uh, with the post-snap rotation, you've got an answer to the equation. Now it's just a matter of reading that first and then making the right throw. So on that side of the field, there should have been a sit. On the cover two side, there should have been a sit and an out route. And uh, instead, Luke Musgrave ran an out in front of Christian Watson's out. So you can see Love pre-snap. Okay, we know what we got. Snaps it, sees the post-snap. What the hell's Luke doing? I better go over here now. <laughs> so that blows everything up. And there was still an answer on that play. If I remember correctly, the swing was open, but Love didn't get to it. So Was that the again, play that uh, LaFleur got so mad at Musgrave coming off the – That was it. Musgrave's yeah. like, ah, ah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He didn't know whether the crapper go blind until he closed one eye and farted. That's my, 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 my assignment. <laughs> my knee. <laughs> That's exactly right. right. My knee. Um, you know. That was the NFL film soundbite from Luke Musgrave. Uh, uh, <laughs> I thought he took it well. I like Musgrave. He seems like he he doesn't really have that that mean um, spirit about him that you want in someone who's going to be going up against defensive ends and linebackers. But he seems like a seems like a good kid. He's got all the upside in the world. They just got to put it together. And, and they, like I said, man, when you start with young players, you're going to get this right. Um, especially some that you see these high ceilings because of their athletic profile, as opposed to like a Sam Laporta who's just ready to roll, right? Coming out of tight end, you, uh, man, what a pickup by the Lions! My goodness. Let's see here. What else we got in the chat before we uh, move on to? Uh, let's see here. All right, let's go to Omar. Omar said, "Bad scheming, bad play calling, bad execution, poor recognition, poor tackling, etc." All of the above, yeah. It was just a rough night, man. And, and what's crazy is we still will become within four points. It's like I'm tired of saying it. I get it. Some of you guys are going, stop saying it, Clayton. It, it is what it is, but it just shows you how close this team is. And uh, if if Love can get the accuracy down, we can simplify the run blocking, I think we're going to win a lot of games in the second half of the season, right, or at least this, you know, going into the, the second quarter of the season. The problem is you got to change those things, Jacob. You got to be willing to accept it and change them, right? Yeah. Um, did you by chance? So it always is a. I, I'm I'm really bad at this. I go back, I, I watch the game, and I think, oh man, that one play, like this way, you know, this and that, the butterfly effect thing. When I look back at this last game, and you know, everybody knows I I love Christian Watson. He was my draft pick, crush, all this kind of stuff. I've always been critical on him as well. Like you know, when he dropped that first pass in, in Minnesota. I, I wasn't a fanboy on him. I, I let him have it. I, if he could have just extended, put on the Jets, took a different angle, and ran that ball in, we're at least tied before we even go into all those you know shenanigans in the last five minutes of the fourth quarter. Now, that's not his fault. We talked about whether or not that penalty or if there should be an incentive other than a penalty because, to me, there definitely should be. And there's no reason not to grab a guy by his face mask, rip him down, throw him on the ground, and stomp him. You know what I mean? Like, there's no. Uh, what I will highlight, though, what I thought is the cool. It's it's such a weird kind of um, added little cherry on top. Miss Krista Watson, if you look at her Twitter, uh, it's it's spicy all the time. <laughs> but they had uh, she some unfortunate little, you know twerk. what? Yeah, some twerp posted on like, hey, somebody who won't post their real name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to the point of like, you know, if you're if your kid knew how to run or whatever, we'd be winning or we would have won. And she quote tweeted him, <laughs> threw him oh, up. Because, 
not my fault that this dude, they're like, you pathetic, you know what, bet your rent money or whatever. <laughs> and I was just like, not my fault you bet your rent money. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, it's just so cool that we have somebody like, yeah. And you got, and, and immediately, like 90% of Packer fans are like, don't listen to this idiot, Chris. He, he's, he doesn't represent us. Yeah. But there's a handful that are like, maybe you should stay off of Twitter. Like, really? I love it. I love your parents aren't allowed to be on X. Like, what are we talking about? She's way better at, 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 I don't know how to do, I don't know how to X. I don't know how to do it. United Bates, what are you doing, man? You're such a nice United guy. Bates, man, doing, doing United Bates things. Just gifted five memberships. You are the man, United Bates. We appreciate you, buddy. Um, you. This one right here hits home with me, guys. Omar in the chat said they should have kept Mercedes to keep these to help these kids, teach them how to block, lead them in the room. I I felt like that from day one. And listen, I don't want to be like a, oh, I told you so. We see what Mercedes is doing in Chicago. Nobody expected Mercedes to come out this year and be this dynamic playmaker, right? But I think I think it would have went a long way having him in that tight end room, right, um, to be able to teach, to help teach Luke Musgrave. And, and, and immediately Goody's answer when, when he was asked about this, Tim, was, well, I think these young players need all the snaps they can get. Nobody's saying Mercedes Lewis needs to start. And, and I'm just going to say this. LaFleur is taking it on the chin. Joe Barry, God love him, he's hiding somewhere because the fans have attacked him all year. Jordan Love, now, you know, there's a lot of fans calling for Jordan Love to be benched, and let's go to Sean Clifford. He ain't the guy now, right? Um, you got all these people taking this flag. The one person that that isn't getting any criticism, and I'm going to be real, it bothers me, is Brian Gutekunst. Brian Gutekunst put this roster together to be the youngest roster in the league, right? I hope that Mark Murphy behind the scenes sat down with Goody and LaFleur and said, hey, look, we're going young. Or Goody said, I think we should go young. Okay, well, let's all agree this this year may be a wash. Let's get this $40 million off the books. Let's see what Bach's going to do next year. We'll see what these young people can do. We'll reset next year. I'm hoping that's the case because if the plan was simply Goot going to put this young roster together, and if we go out there and only win six games on the floor, loses his job, I'm going to be – be honest, that's that's not not fair to Matt. But what, how do you feel about that, Tim? Like, I don't I don't see anybody criticizing Brian Gutekunst like they're crit criticizing. You know, like I said, Matt Lafleur, Jordan Love, on and on and on. I agree. Um, however, I don't think that we need to put an emphasis on criticism at this point quite yet. Um, but we're going to do it anyways as fans. Um, I, I was on your your side with this, Clayton. You could probably check some of my tweets and. I had said uh, for months and months that bringing uh, Big Dog back for one more year yep. wouldn't hurt. And hindsight's twenty twenty with that extra roster spot with the uh, the injury to uh, Tyler Davis. Um, yeah. Certainly, it, it certainly would make sense at this point. Um, but however, I mean, we've got other injuries and other guys that need to come up too. So, I mean, can you really hold um, a, a roster spot for a guy that you know is probably not going to play a lot of snaps, you know, um, but I'll tell you this. There's a deep I'll, sigh here, Jake. It's, it's, about to get it's, a deep, <laughs> it's, a, it's a deep, deep sigh here. Okay. So yeah, uh, clearly the plan was, you know, we're going young and let's see what happens. Uh, I, I got to hope that was the plan. Uh, <laughs> if not the plan backfired big time. Right. Right. And I mean, let's be honest, if the axe fell and, you know, 
Matt LaFleur's on the chopping block at some point, I mean, it's going to be a lot of heads rolling. Um, yeah. You know, and we don't. Yeah. And, and it's like, I, I still, maybe it's rose colored glasses, whatever. Um, I'm a big believer. It ain't how you start. It's how you finish. Uh, how, how did, how did we really expect this team to start? We talked about tempering expectations early on. I mean, we're at the bye, guys. This is this is the bye week here coming up. There is a ton of football left. So yeah, I think it's fair you know, to twelve you know, games, guys. Twelve freaking games left. Twelve Go games. Ahead. And if we are gonna because we're always gonna be comparing, no matter if we don't want to or if we want to, we're gonna be comparing love to Rogers, right? It's gonna happen. Yep. Love Love right now has one third of the wins that, that Rogers had his first year. I'm not mistaken. I thought wasn't Rogers like six and whatever it was his first year. Six, six and ten his first year, correct. So and, he, and by the way, Jordan Love just had his first three interception game, right? Rogers had two games his rookie year where he threw three interceptions. That was a pretty wild stat when I seen that. Go ahead, Jake. No, and I mean this I'm not saying he's gonna be Rogers. I'm not saying he's gonna be good. I'm just saying that right now mm-hmm. I think we went from being I, I know myself, I was like, oh man. He's going to be really great. Everything's going to be awesome. We're going to win 10 games. And all of a sudden, I see the other half of the fan base being like, oh, my God, he's not the guy. We need to get rid of him. We got a tank. Putting Clifford. I'm nowhere near that yet. Um, Would I like to see more consistency? Of course. Would I like to see more accuracy? Of course. But I'm I'm not pulling the, the fire alarm yet. I'm not doing that. Um, it's. Yeah. I think that we've got – we're going up against a stretch here. Broncos, Vikings, Rams, Steelers, Chargers. Four I, out of five. I think we can get three or four out of five there. Yeah. We're going to need four out of five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, and another cool statistic when talking about the interceptions, uh, uh, Jason Wildey was breaking this down on his show. So Aaron Rodgers had two games his rookie year where he threw three interceptions, right? He finished his entire career with five games throwing three interceptions. Brett Favre had 33 games where he threw three interceptions. <laughs> Dang. 33 times. And then, of course, they broke down how many games. He had four interceptions. It, I think he, I think Brett Favre threw four interceptions in more games than Aaron Rodgers threw three interceptions. And then, of course, he had several five interception games, and I think he peaked at six interceptions in one game. Just wild. Man. I, guess, so- I guess what comes to my mind is, like, <laughs> If we think about Aaron Rodgers' career in Green Bay, right? Looking back on it now, do, do, does anyone care about his first year as a starter? No, like, not at all. Do do we care? It's like you know, Keanu Reeves is a huge movie star, but like, does like guys remember Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? <laughs> like, <laughs> movie is that yeah, you would right? But what I'm saying <laughs> is, what I'm saying is, is he really known for that or? Or is it the body of work that he did after, after that? On point break? Come on, man. No, that's a classic. Come on, man. Swayze? No, forget it. But I'm just saying, like, you know, your first, movie, wasn't it? your first year, your first project, you know, like, you can flop and still have a great career. You can come out and be a stud and have a terrible career after it. I mean, there's a lot of variance. So I think at the end of the day, when we look back years down <laughs> – <laughs> years down the line uh, <laughs> i don't i don't think we're gonna i don't think we're gonna be upset um about this first year as a starter 
yeah. when it's all said and done. So definitely don't, don't panic just yet. Yeah. The Badger Trio says, I think Goody uh, and maybe Matt has two years. I think if nothing changes when Mark retires in 2025, they make they might clean house. I could totally see that. I mean, it's what happened when Mark came in, right? Um, you know, he kind of you know, of course, he kind of that transition happened after they had already hired Mike McCarthy, but you know, they basically trade Brett the year that Mark Murphy took over, essentially. So uh pretty wild, man, to look back on that stuff for sure. We got a super chat here. This is Casey Odom. Thank you so much for the super chat, buddy. He said, I'll get it figured out one day. Thanks again, Bates. All right. Well, we appreciate you supporting the stream, buddy. We'll get you, we'll get you squared away on that. And I'll do this, Casey. I'll actually add you to the contest. Cause I know you're looking to, uh, to get, you know, added in as a member here of the PTA posse, but the easiest way for me, if you've got YouTube on your phone, if you just go to the, the landing page on your phone, um, that's typically what works the best. Uh, cause it'll show right there and say, join. I've actually got the YouTube page set up for that, but thank you. Thank you for the super chat, but we appreciate you for sure. Um, let's see right here. We got Omar in the chat said, uh, Goody needs to get a run stuffer and some help for that very week back in. This talk of receivers is foolishness uh, they find in the wide receiver room. Now, here's the thing that – here's how I feel about what you're saying there. Yes, we need a run stuffer. You've got Devontae White. You've got Kenny Clark, two of the best interior pass rushers in the entire National Football League. The problem is we're a little bit suspect in run defense in the front four, right, um, or the uh, the front three in the 34, you know, when you're when you're going with that, that, uh, that 34 jam look, right, where you've got – a nose tackle over the center, you're covering the guards, you got your wide nines. Um, if you get an upgrade at interior defensive line, and when I say upgrade, I'm talking about somebody like a Jalen Carter, right? Uh, somebody like a and, – and I know Aaron Donald is a generational talent. I got you. I know they don't grow on trees. But you need someone like that who is, who is going to play fundamentally sound in the run game, be able to occupy double teams, but also push the pocket or push the line back at the point of attack against the run would be absolutely huge. So that's one of your top priorities this offseason. If you want this defense to hop into the top 10 category, which, by the way, guys, you guys know I'm big on uh, uh, points per play, right? Tim, you've heard me talk about that. I feel like that's one of the most important metrics that you can use to gauge an offense and defense. On the defensive side of the ball right now, points per play were 16th in the league at .32, .328. Last year, they finished the season at .374. So if you were to take the number they had last year and insert it this year, they would be 24th this year. So they've went from 24th to 16th in points per play, right? If you go to yards per play, I looked it up earlier, they're actually not in yards per play. This defense has improved. I know the Joe Barry haters don't want to admit it, and it's funny how last week we're firing him. This week it's, well, the defense did okay, I guess. You're not going to give him the props? Like, come on now. <laughs> um, as far as Rudy Ford, I said it last year. I'm going to say it again right now. Sign him to a contract. Sign him to a contract. He got to test the market. The market wasn't there for him. So you brought him back for like a you know one and a half milli. Give him a two- or three-year extension, and that way you build the floor of that safety room out. You let Savage walk in free agency. You try to find someone else. You now have your free safety. I don't think he's a great free safety. I think he's a good free safety. The way he broke on that ball, and I can't wait to break that one down in Chalk Talk, where essentially to me it looked like he either broke his zone or he was playing Meg. But, man, the way he undercut that route and picked off Jimmy G – I'm telling he's he's leading our leading our team in interceptions this year. Rasul Douglas is an absolute dog. 
That is your. I don't want to hear another word about Jair Alexander until Jair proves it. Rasul is the leader of that DB room. Period. Case closed. The dude plays with attitude. He plays with intensity. He plays with intent. He's emotional out there. You could tell when 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 people screw up. He he knows exactly what's going on on the field, all across the field, at all times. This dude is a playmaker. He is the leader of that secondary. And if Ja wants to keep calling out the offense, and he wants to keep with the whole, you better live up to it. You better live up. You're already getting. You, they threw you the bag, right? And and Rasul's on the books this year for like four and a half million. That's all, right? And some of that is voided. I get that, but Rasul, Rasul and Rudy are the high points of this secondary right now, right? Yep. You know, we've got a great pass rush. We got to sure up the run defense. Now, this last game, the last three games actually, a lot of heavy box looks, right? And you've seen they they slowed down the run this week. The thing that got them, you know, when you need a turnover, Savage breaking on that ball. And looking like he didn't know what was going on. It's like he was surprised that he broke on. It's like, oh, I made a good play. Now what do I do? Right. Uh, you you get any other playmaker in that spot, I think he picks that ball off and it's a whole different ball game, too. But um, man, just so much to cover. So much to cover. But yeah, Rasul is is definitely uh definitely one that I'm I'm very proud of. And you can just tell it means something to him, man. There's no doubt about that. Um so we're at the 53-minute mark, man. The chat carried us here. Did you guys see anything else in the chat, or is there anything else you want to hit on, Jacob? Anything come to mind? Did you have anything in your notes you wanted to hit on? Or if you want to, we can hit on one of these positions before we wrap up, too. Uh, I mean, we could um, – I was curious if you guys had seen some of the weird rumors going around about how Uh-oh. Was Jerry Judy signing. Wait, do you want to throw – you going to throw me a conspiracy? I think we need to, don't we? I think we, we should, should if you're going to say that. Just saying, put on your ball hats. I'm going to hit it with the user or the uh, the listener uh, split-screen game in his conspiracy video. Here we go. Obviously, everybody's going to blame the refs. I just didn't see consistency in the calls. I saw his interview. The guy just seems random, weird, and very questionable. Look at TJ Slayton look back at him. See, the cat was trying to tell us. Cat was trying to tell me the whole time. Jacob, what's the cat trying to tell you this week, man? What what conspiracy do you got for us this week? <sighs> man, I'm just saying. Hey, uh, Alex Jones proud. Let's do this. I think Goose touched on it here. There's supposedly a Jerry Judy signing that's going to be happening. Or there was a sighting of him in Green Bay. I agree. I could not agree with that poop sound more. There, Tim. Same with the dog. Now the dog's all You think God never farted? <laughs> I don't want that. And I did see too. Even Andy Herman uh, tweeted this out. I can't remember if it was it was some reputable site. I don't want to say it and slander them and then get in trouble. But they straight up said there was a trade that the Packers were giving up Romeo Dobbs and like a six-round draft pick or something like that, and we were getting Jerry Judy and a seventh. or so. It was something well, that was like so unreal. I'll personally start hating on Gutekunst if, that, was, if that happens, let me was, tell you. I mean, Andy Herman, like you can look on his on his Twitter. He, he posted it, and apparently some people are saying that it was a mistake and that somebody posted something, some intern. I don't know, but there was – I thought I saw pictures. Then they saw Jerry Judy for whatever reason was at a Green Bay airport. It's like oh, for for you, all the talk, like is it everything we need on this team? Do we need a receiver, guys? Like, seriously. oh, 
I hope this is like the last thing we need. Hey, <laughs> and and his attitude is horrible. Did you guys see Steve Smith cook him live on NFL Network or on Prime earlier, Jacob? Mm-hmm. NFL Network, dude. So he said something about Jerry Judy on his podcast about him basically being average. So he said, I seen him on the field, and I thought I'm gonna go. I'm going to go confirm and say, hey, look, man, I probably should have said it to your face. I'm sorry. Look at the big guy. Feeling better. What's up? Oh, there he goes. I love it. Love it. Love it. So he said he went to Jerry Judy on the field, and Jerry said, I don't – he said – this is what Steve Smith said. He said – and he looked at Steve – or he looked at uh, Garofolo, right, right there on the live broadcast. And he said – he looked at me and said, Ninja, I don't mess with you. Ninja (laughs) – and he said, I'm cleaning that up, Garofolo. And Garofolo, wider than me, was like, what's well, Ninja, what? <laughs> Use your imagination. That's what Jerry Judy just said to Steve Smith, one of the all-time greats, right? <sighs> and and then Steve Smith went back to the camera and said, so, yeah, he's average. And he, he's, he basically continued to cook and right on live TV. I don't want Jerry Judy. I'm sorry I don't. That's just me. No. But, or any wide receiver. Marlon, he'll be on the roster. He'll be at Austin Straubel and on his way. <laughs> Look at this right here. Goose Goose speaking for all of us. If we trade Dobbs for Judy, I'm officially on the fire Goot train. If we trade Dobbs at all for anyone. Yeah. Like, seriously. Tyreek. Yeah. Let's hope it's fake. Let's hope it's fake. But I, I hope it's fake. I think I saw some stuff contradicting it, but I definitely know that they did put out that, um, if you want to say it's a weird headline or a, a Andy Herman quote tweeted it i saw from a bunch of other reputable sources too where i was like no what no man i wish we could get a rumor about like a center or a right (laughs) what happened to the guy we cut that i was i thought was gonna make the team you guys remember that i can't remember we can always start that rumor tim let me let me fire (laughs) up the old twitter bird here we'll uh yeah. Get that one going around. <laughs> that uh, that uh, was it. Jason Kelsey was seen at Austin Strabo Airport. How about that? That's the other thing too. Like we're sitting here talking about how Goody's not taking any flack, and it's like, yeah, Creed Humphrey. You chose Josh Myers over Creed Humphrey. When are we ever going to criticize Goody? Like it, it's he just gets this pass. Like, and and again, I'm not I'm not the top to call for people's jobs and all that, but. You just got a lot of people that you are not allowed to say anything wrong about Brian. When you say something wrong about Brian Gutekunst, it's immediately, well, uh, you know, the success rate for drafting good players is 30% or something. It's like, okay, got you, got you. All right. No one else is allowed to make a mistake, but this dude, he literally, after he traded Aaron Rodgers, right, and and knowing we're going to be eating a $40 million cap penalty, right, horrible signing, which someone earlier in the chat here, I got to, I got to call it out here. Who was it that said it? Uh, let me get back to it. Golly, I hope I can find it. Anyway, he said Aaron Rodgers blew blew this year up. Is who it was. And I'm going, Aaron Rodgers signed himself to a contract? Like, that's Aaron Rodgers' fault that Goody said, here's $150 million guaranteed, right? And, oh, by the way, we know you don't want to be here because I've already ticked you off. And that's Aaron Rodgers' fault? Like, that makes no sense to me. But – uh. Yeah, he just uh, he kind of gets a pass, man. Kind of gets a pass, and, and again, you've got that trade they screwed up, right? You pass on Creed Humphrey for Josh Myers, on and on and on. The Amari Rogers draft pick, right? Um, you know, I, it's early for Tucker Craft. I think Tucker Craft can develop into something. You could have taken anybody their first year in the league at tight end position and said, "Hey, look, I need you to come across the formation, and then come set." And like I was talking with Baz earlier on his pod, you know, it's like. 
it, uh, Mike Wall says, you know, how you arrive at confrontation determines how you handle confrontation, right? Uh, you're asking this dude, this rookie tight end, third round pick, played at whatever, you know, small school, to come full sprint across the formation, then come set and block Max Crosby. Sorry, man, I, I don't put that on Tucker Craft. That's bad scheme, but um, yeah. All right. Anything else you got, Jacob? Any other rumors that you want to spread around here and get me in trouble with? No, I'm good, man. <laughs> Tim, what about you, buddy? Uh, no, no, no rumors for me other other than um, hopefully we hear, like I said, center, right guard, safety, those kind of rumors. Not <laughs> not wide receiver. <laughs> right. Goose said you can't blame Goot for the third round curse. It's been around since 2011. That's the truth right there, dude. I don't know what it is about that third I, round curse. I feel like I'm 50 50 with Goody, you know, like, because there we could go down the list the other way of some picks that he's absolutely nailed. Right. We were talking about Rashawn the other night. You know, the Packer Nation was like pretty, pretty unevenly split when Rashawn Gary was drafted. Absolutely. And um, I would you say know, like 80 20. Eight versus yeah. love, you know. Yeah, and now how how are you feeling now? I think it's eighty twenty the the other way around. <laughs> right. Probably. So you know there, there's there's names we could name. So I think all in all, uh, there's a lot we could be happier about, but there's also a lot we could be a lot more upset about. You look at some of these GMs in this league. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's uh, one to the south of us that I I think of that uh, <laughs> that's. Uh, Hasn't done so hot, you know. I mean, it could be worse. So, I, I'm kind of in the middle with Goody, and uh, you know, we'll see. We we uh, was at uh, Badger Trio commented on that earlier about you know we're going into uh, changing of the guard here with Mark Murphy retiring, and you know there could there could be some some moves here in the next couple of years. So it's uh, just got to take it uh, one season at a time. Until then, guys. Yeah, definitely. Um, Goose in the chat said, we could be way worse off than having Goot. We could be better, but could be way worse. Yeah, I think he is kind of right right in the middle ro- middle of the road right now, you know. Um, I do know that the reason they hired him, uh, Mark Murphy went through, and basically everyone that, that had a scouting background that they were uh, considering for being GM. You know, you had Russ Ball, who's on the financial side. He was in the running as well. You had uh, Elliot Wolf, Ron Wolf's son. He was in the, in the running for it. And basically anyone who was in the scouting department they said, bring us all your scouting reports, right? And he went through and just looked at, okay, who who hit on the on the best uh, on the best scouting reports, right? Who were, who did they have on their scouting report high? And uh, it sounds like Goody was hands down the best scout in the entire building. And obviously, he'd been there for a long, long time. I know he was he was one of the reasons, if I understood correctly, he was in the building at the time as a young scout, and he was all on board with the Aaron Rodgers draft pick. Which, ironically, mm-hmm. he's the one who ends up trading Aaron right and and all that just the, you know it's what's funny is that sounds a lot like how LaFleur got hired too you know like we we heard about that Matt LaFleur was the most prepared he had the most uh notes the most homework done and when it came through that interview process that's why he became our head coach so it's kind of interesting to to kind of see you know tangentially the the journeys and the process you know both yeah. of those being uh um Mark Murphy hires there yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. You know, we we kind of hit on one of the positions we were going to hit on, Jacob. You know, yesterday we hit on, uh, obviously, Jordan Love or quarterback and left tackle. Then we hit on edge with Gary. The next one in that tier one of importance is defensive tackle, and we kind of talked about it here uh, as one of the listeners here in the chat 
you know, said that we need a, a good interior run stuffer, right? Um, if you were to insert, say, a Jalen Carter or a, a Fletcher Cox, you know, um, when he's playing good ball, right? Uh, just a solid defensive lineman that can play the run and the pass. Um, I think that you're you're able to stop the run with a little less help in loading the box like we did with the Raiders. Um, I think it can make all the all the difference in the world. But the way I see it right now with Kenny Clark and Devontae Wyatt, they're pass rush specialists. I mean, they're great at rushing the quarterback. There's no doubt about it. But they're just not as solid in the run game, in my opinion. Now, you're probably going to see more spinner looks, more seven- and eight-man boxes the rest of the year to stop the run like we did with the Raiders, and I'm excited to see that because it, I'm telling you, the defense, I thought they played good against the Raiders. I think there's a lot of people that's still not giving uh, them the credit they deserve for sure. But um, let's see here. Paul Robertson in the chat says, scouting is one thing. Organizational building is another, much like a great coordinator trying to become a head coach. And and you're absolutely right, Paul. And the way the structure is right now, Goody doesn't handle the contracts. Russ Ball does. Right. So it's almost like split GM duties. Goody has the final say in who's going to be on the roster. Right. He's the roster builder. But Russ Ball is handling all of the financials and all the details there. And you heard Aaron Rodgers talk about here in the offseason that he felt like Russ Ball wanted him back. But Goody didn't. Right. So that was kind of the 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 difference there between those two. But, yeah, so. Very good point there, though, Paul. Very good point. These are the things you talk about in the bye week. That's what I love about our listeners, man. And, uh, they, you know, you got downtime. You just go, oh, well, let's just take the week off, guys. No, nah, man, let's talk about this stuff that's going to come up in the off season. All the contractual obligations, you know. I don't like to put people on the hot seat, but we got to talk about, hey, you know, how much leash does a coach get? How much leash does a GM get? Right? All those things. Um, I think this year they're looking at it, though, the three-headed monster, Mark Murphy, Matt LaFleur, and Brian Gutekunst. I think they're all on the same page, and they're looking at it like, okay, let's let's get through this year we'll reset next year and see what we got and you know let's try to win this year so, uh, tanking got mentioned in the chat um I, I don't judge anybody for saying that a team should tank i completely understand what you're saying me personally i want nothing to do with it i'm from the old school john madden approach the second that it's not about winning every single game you suit up for on sunday we don't have a game anymore and you want to create a losing culture by tanking whoo good luck getting that back Good, good. I mean, you're going to have to scrap the whole. That is like I don't want to use the c word, but that is like a disease that yep. will spread through an organization so quick. Like, hey guys, look, let's just let's just lose from here on out. You know, watch that carry over to the next year, and good luck getting that back out. Imagine throwing away a season for a draft pick that there's zero guarantee is going to pan out, regardless of what round or the hype around the player. <laughs> So I, I just I'm with you, Clayton. I don't get it. If you're not trying to win the game, why are we playing? Right? You play to win the game. Exactly <laughs> correct. Eric Sutherland in the chat said, uh, "You don't have to tank when you stink." <laughs> Ask the bear. Um, so I added that little one there. But so United Bates, thank you for the super chat. He said, "Anders Carlson, Crosby 2.0, also has big shoes to fill. Good so far, man. I tell you what, he seems game ready." I've never seen someone come out of camp, struggle so bad in camp, but then in every preseason game and carrying over to the regular season is just money. And, and Timmy, you were right, dude. They were working on stuff in practice. Every time we say Anders Carlson's name, I'm just going to go like this. <laughs> I'm every just going to do this. That guy is money right now, man. All Absolute day. Money. Um, yeah. So, uh, oh, here, here's a great question. You're going to make us go long tonight. Y'all, you, boys, hop off if you need to. But uh, 
I'm going to hit this for sure. Cause anytime we talk contracts, man, I get excited. I'm a nerd for numbers. So the question in the chat by goose says, can we get out of Clark's contract? All right, let's talk about that real quick as we click on his contract. So this year, his cap hit is 12.9 million. Okay. Next year, his cap hit is 27.4 million. All right. So to put that into perspective, the dead cap this year is 36 and a half million. So, Essentially, if you cut him this year, you're going to have to eat $24 million. Okay, not going to happen, right? So when you look at 2024, his cap hit is $27.4 million. His dead cap is $24.2. So if you cut him next year, you're only freeing up $3 million. So he's also got voidable years. 2025 is a voidable year. Uh, 2026 is a void year. 2027 is a void year. What we've seen in the past with voided years is the Packers don't extend them and they don't cut them. They let them ride it out to the to the to the final active year on their contract. So history suggests that Kenny Clark will play next year and then they would just let him walk in free agency. Now, I would immediately think, okay, let him test free agency. If the market isn't there, then you can sign him back, even though he's still on the hook for voided years. The Packers haven't even done that, Tim, because last year the same thing applied with Adrian Amos. I think we would all agree the Packers knew they had a weak safety room, and I thought if they can get him for cheap, they'll bring him back, and they chose not to. So with that being said, Goose, to answer your question, we can't get out of his contract. It makes no sense just to free up $3 million next year. makes no sense at all. And, and he is that valuable to the team to keep him rather than just trying to free up $3 million. However, I will say he is not worth $27.4 million against the cap. And the only reason his cap number is at 12.9 this year and not over $20 million like it originally was was because they tacked on those voided years. Essentially, in 2025, he is not going to be on the roster, and he's still going to eat up $13.7 million of the cap. In 2026, he's not going to be on the roster. He's going to account for $5.4 million of the cap. And in 2027, he's not going to be on the roster. He's going to account for $2.7 million against the cap. And, again, if you don't like cash over cap, that's on Goody as well. Uh, that's the, the path that he chose to take. And, of course, Russ Ball is structure and everything. But, again, Goody has the final say as to who's on the roster and how they want uh, those uh, those contracts structured. But uh, that makes sense to him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've seen it before in Green Bay. We know We know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's kind of like we were talking about the trade deadline, right? Trade deadlines coming up uh, on Halloween, I believe. Yeah, we're not we're not making any moves. It's not. <laughs> I I really don't see it happening. I don't either. Um, I really don't. I think you'll hear they were calling about a bunch of players, just like we yeah. always hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, so um, Drew in the chat says, "I want to keep Kenny Clark." Yeah, absolutely, man. Completely agree. Um, and then Goose said, "Doesn't." that all get accelerated into the same year if he leaves the team. Absolutely it does. Uh, that's that's kind of what happened with uh, with Aaron and, and the remaining. Um, so if we were to cut him next year, the contract, although it's shown we would free up $3 million, I think there's a loophole around that, Goose, but I'm not 100% sure. Let's assume that you do have to absorb that. Then, yeah, that means if you cut him in 2024, then you void the void itself. And that what thirteen plus five plus seven, which is eight, twenty million, will be get accelerated, and that cap penalty would become uh, most likely uh, forty, yeah, forty million dollar range. So he's going to be on the roster through twenty twenty four, and there's a good chance he won't be back after that. 
Um, I like Kenny. I think he's been a good player. Uh, I don't think he's been worth the money that they signed him for, but I don't think anybody expected the run defense to be this bad as well. I always looked at Kenny as a solid, balanced defensive lineman who could play the run in the pass. Um, when I watch the tape, when you look at the PFF grades, I, I, there's just not – there's no way that I can I can buy into that right now. I just can't, man. Um, so, United Bates, appreciate that, buddy. Um, I don't want to be egotistical or self-edifying putting that up in the chat, but I, I really appreciate you saying that, buddy. We're all learning every day, man, trying to get better, but that's for sure. Um, so, Goose says, so are we praying – are we paying him big either way? I love Kenny, but man, he hasn't been playing at the level we need. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, I think he's, Ryan has done, Ryan Schlipp has done an excellent job on his pod pointing this out over and over and over. Um, he's, he's been overpaid. You know, he had one good year. He had one good year where he graded out great. They paid him and he hasn't performed up to that level since. Now he had Mike Daniels in the trenches next to him, right? And as soon as Mike Daniels leaves, his numbers, dip when I say his numbers is PFF grade at least um when I see it on the tape again you're not going to find a uh, it's going to be hard to find five other interior defensive linemen that are better rushing the quarterback especially in a one-on-one situation it's just you pay that much money someone needs to be a, a lockdown defender there it's kind of like Jair too man Jair's kind of in the same boat for me he's underperforming big time he's grading out in the 90s right and you see it on tape you see it this last week luckily we seen it, but Jimmy G didn't see it when he absolutely got cooked by Devontae Adams on a release and fell down. And it wasn't because he just slipped like Devontae cooked him off the line. And luckily, Jimmy G didn't see it. You see that, then you see the missed tackle on the edge, and I'm going, listen, I understand he's a great cover corner, but, man, for that kind of money, and you already tacked voidable years there too. So, uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, so, yeah, let's see here. Yeah. Drew D in the chat said, it's the following years all uh, go into one unless you do June 1st cut, and then you can extend it out uh, an extra year. Yeah, there is a June 1 deadline that you can clear there, and it carries over to the next year, which is I, exactly what I expected them to do with Aaron if he wasn't going to be on the roster. I cannot believe we approached it that way, which I guess the writing was on the wall. Right, Tim? As far as – um, this year is like, hey, look, we're willing to absorb $40 million in cap penalties. This year is just going to be a wash and reset for next year. That's what it seems like. But uh, let's see here. Robert in the chat said, what about Jair's contract? Get value while value is uh, available. Um, let's look at his real quick, and then we'll sign off here because I know it's getting late, Tim. Jair Alexander, his contract, obviously signed the extension. When was it? Last year, I believe. So, his cap hit this year is 10.7. The reason it is lower is because they pushed some of that out with avoidable year. But in 2024, his uh, cap hit is 24.3 million. His dead cap is 27 million. So to put that into perspective, to cut him, you would you would basically eat three million dollars. Obviously, ain't going to happen. You got a potential out in 2025, three years, 60.6 million. Uh, 19 million dollars in dead cap, according to Spotrack. In 2025, his cap hit is 25.8 million with dead cap of 19 million. In uh, 2026, his cap hit is 27.8 million uh, with a dead cap of 10.7 million. Of course, 2.3 million in voided money would get accelerated to that final year. So tack on another 2 million there. So essentially, if you're looking for an out of his contract, I'm not suggesting they would, but in 2029, it would be somewhat reasonable because the dead cap would be 10.7. 
of $27 million in cap hit, you're freeing up 17. Then you tack on the 2.3, therefore taking that off the 17. In 2026, you could cut him at the beginning of that year and free up roughly $15 million in cap space. So if it continues to trend down, hope it doesn't happen. Hope Jair gets back to that all-pro form. Um, it looks like 2026 is the first year that I think would be reasonable to try to get out. But yeah, I agree. I, I wonder if he's almost alluding to trading him. Is that what I mean? Get value while value is available. Is that yeah, that's, maybe I'm reading that wrong? But you're probably reading that right, Tim. And if yeah. that's the case, um, that gets a little bit more tricky um, or a little easier on the team, I should say, because the guaranteed money travels, if I remember correctly but I think the voided aspect gets accelerated to the current club, which is only 2.3 million. So probably an option there. Um, I, I would be lying to you if I said, I understand exactly how that would work with all the details in a trade. That's something I need to study up on. I try to find one, two, maybe three things every football season and go, I don't know the answer to that. I need to understand how that works. That needs to go on the list for sure. But the problem is I'm married and she's ready to throw me out on my head anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> With that being said, we're at the hour 16-minute mark, so I'm going to go downstairs and save my marriage. Tim, I appreciate you taking time to hang out with me, buddy. You got any parting thoughts? Uh, thanks for having me, as always. And oh, go, Pat, go. It's not all doom and gloom, guys. We're going to be all right. We're going to play good coming out of the bye. Yeah. That's Let's try to get it, right against Denver, man. That's, that's the goal. So I uh, want to thank everybody in the chat. You guys were awesome. Thank you for keeping this going. Um, tonight, you uh, you guys always show up in force. I want to give a special thanks to United Bates for gifting uh, five more memberships. It's funny it showed up tonight because I sent a nasty email to uh, Restream and YouTube, and they apologized and said they would look into it. And all of a sudden, it popped up tonight, Tim. Funny how that works. <laughs> uh, I hate being mean, but come on, dude. I'm paying for service. Let's uh, let's figure this thing out here. Um, I, right. you, I literally put – I don't want to use the language I put in the email on here, but I, I told them I looked like, <laughs> I looked like a uh, – an AWS hat, not not uh, a recognizing listeners' super chats, and like this is I can't do this. this is unacceptable. I don't feel right about that, you know. So lo and behold, boy, they've been on point tonight. But anyway, United Base, thank you for gifting the memberships. Casey Odom, thank you for the super chat, buddy. Like I said, we'll get you entered in that contest. We'll make sure that uh, that you get your name in there for the next uh, giveaway, which will be in a couple of weeks. We're gonna give away an autographed Paul Horning jersey, so we'll make sure you're in there. And we know you're going to join. We, we know you're good for that. And then United Bates, thank you for the super chat as well, buddy. You're always supporting the stream. And I cannot thank you enough, man. So that's it. Let's get out of here. Appreciate everybody's time. Um, appreciate Eric Sutherland always bringing the uh, comedy in the chat that we cannot share um, because he talks like my uh, my brother. Um, <laughs> so we got to keep that. Uh, got to keep it PG here for the listeners. Also, if you like uh, – uh, Basarski Productions, um, his YouTube channel uh, over there with Baz. Cut a quick video today, asked me to come on. That should be dropping on Friday. We got some other stuff collabing, working with him in the in the background. Hopefully we can make that work. Really love what Baz does. He's just an awesome Packer fan, does great content, very positive, but straight to the point and, and talks about what's really going on. So, uh, guys, make sure you go over there and hop in, hop in and support his channel because he's definitely supporting us as well. So that being said, for those, those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go back up. The power sweep. Actually, it's the, it's the lead play in our, in our offense. Pull back and get him. Take the first man outside the offense. No one shows.